<laughs> well, today we're going to do our, uh, this, is, this is actually pretty complicated. The third part of the series, Joshua and Caleb, inside of the series, Heroes of Faith. Um, <laughs> if anyone's keeping up, if anyone's very like linear-minded, you're probably like, what's going on, right? So we've been studying the heroes of faith of the Bible, and then the Lord brought us to the story of Joshua and Caleb. The story of Joshua and Caleb just kind of like beget other sermons that just beget another. So now we're on the third part, and I, I think this might be this might be the conclusion to that, but we will continue with the heroes of faith. Um, God is good. We just want to rely on where he's taking us and not put together an entire calendar of what we're teaching, but just listening to what he has for us. So uh, we will be in Joshua chapter 3 today. <clears throat> so if you have your Bibles, you can uh, turn to that. We can go to our first slide, and I just want to take a moment uh, several people that weren't here last week, or maybe you just forgot, because it's really a continuation coming out of last week. Uh, last week, we were discussing how is it that we are to become modern Joshua and Caleb's? How is it and how shall we go into the land of promise? I just want to clarify uh, the way that we were preaching last week, and what we're believing here is the land of promise is not your Ferrari, right? It's not your necessary your career. Uh, what it is, is bringing the kingdom of heaven to earth. The promise that we have as sons and daughters is to encounter the Holy Ghost and encounter the kingdom of heaven, to see people change, to see people healed, see people resurrected, uh, to see the kingdom of God go forward with force. And so that's what we're talking about when we talk about the promised land. And so we're discussing like, how difficult this may be uh, in modern times. And so I was talking about uh, a notion that uh, the modern generation is, uh, is, is the me generation, as Time Magazine put it. Uh, I was talking about the levels of distractions uh, that we have, that many of us are continually seeking pleasure, and that, in fact, uh, the pleasure that we receive from social media and from emails and text messaging actually releases dopamine in the mind, which is the same thing that is released with heroin, crack, cocaine. Uh, and so scientists, neuroscientists are showing that is this pull. This is the pull that we have to the technology. And so what I was uh, getting at here is really... Uh, that many of us hide. We, we hide behind something. It may be the technology. It may be a food. It may be an addiction. It may be a movie. But we hide behind pleasure. And so I was trying to encourage us to move ourselves away from that and have time to engage the Lord uh, and, and so that we can interact and go forward with the power of the gospel with people. Uh, and so this kind of came out of a teaching that I was doing with my kids at school in the 1960s. And we're talking about uh, the counterculture movement of the 1960s, and kids were asking if this could ever happen again, and it kind of just hit me. We need, we need a real powerful cultural change in the church, the big C, all across the world. Let me go to the next slide. And so, you know, we see what's physically happening in our country. Uh, it is said that at college campuses and even in the world today, most of our communities, uh, that uh, everyone looks different, but we think exactly the same. You know, so, you know, there's white people here, there's black people here, there's Hispanic people here, there's Filipino people here, there are Indian people here, there are people from all these different walks of life. They're young, there's old, there's people that dress, you know, preppy, there's people that dress less preppy. There's all this different stuff that's going on, and really, it's a picture of the, the Western church. Uh, and so, you know, we may be like, oh, we're different here at Bristol from other communities, uh, and that's cool. But I want to just ask the question, we may be looking different, and we may be even doing our worship a little different, but are we in fact thinking different? Thinking different in a true biblical perspective. 
that we're thinking that we are here to really not just bring numbers into the church, but to encounter the lost, to encounter the world and show them the kingdom. And to believe. To believe for the kingdom of heaven to be manifest on earth. Amen? So that was a recap of last week. And so let us uh, engage John, John, Joshua chapter 3. It's going to be a little bit of a longer reading, but we really have to set the context here because this is now they're going to go into the promised land. They're going to go in, and there's one last thing that's in the way. So Joshua chapter 3, and Joshua rose early in the morning, and they removed from Shittim and came to Jordan, the river Jordan. He and all the children of Israel and lodged there before they passed over. And it came to pass after three days that the officers went through. And they commanded the people, saying, When you see the ark of the covenant of the Lord your God and the priests of Levites bearing it, then you shall remove from your place and go after it. Yet there shall be a space between you and it, about 2,000 cubits by measure. Come not near to it, that you may know the way by which you must go, for you have not passed this way before. And Joshua said unto the people, Sanctify yourselves, for tomorrow the Lord will do wonders among you. Joshua spoke unto the priests, saying, Take up the Ark of the Covenant and pass over before the people. And they took up the Ark of the Covenant and went before the people. The Lord said unto Joshua, This day will I begin to magnify thee in the sight of all Israel, that they may know that as I was with Moses, so I will be with you. And you shall command the priests that bear the Ark of the Covenant, saying, Where you are come to the brink of the water of the Jordan, you shall stand still in the Jordan. Go down to verse 13. It shall come to pass, as soon as the souls of the feet of the priests that bear the Ark of the Covenant, Ark of the Lord, <clears throat> the Lord of all the earth, shall rest in the waters of Jordan. But the waters of Jordan shall be cut off from the waters that come down from above, and they shall stand upon a heap where they shall stand and, and be separated. And it came to pass, when the people removed their tents to pass over Jordan, the priests bearing the Ark of the Covenant before the Lord. And as they bore the Ark, when they came unto the river Jordan, and the feet of the priests that bear the ark were dipped in the brim of the water. For the river Jordan overflows all the banks at the time of the harvest. The river Jordan overflows its banks at the time of the harvest. That the waters which came down from above and stood and rose up upon a heap very far from the city of Adam, that is beside Zerotan, and those that came down towards the sea of the plain, even the Dead Sea, the Salt Sea, failed and was cut off. The people passed over right against Jericho. And the priests that bore the ark of the covenant of the Lord stood firm on dry ground, their firm foundation as we sing today. In the midst of the Jordan, and all the Israelites passed over on dry ground. So all the people were passed, were cleansed over into Jordan. Amen? Amen. So that is the story. Some of the word usage may be a little different depending on your translations. <clears throat> but we're going to do a, a little different kind of view here, or a little different study, but maybe I, I say that a little too often, but uh, it's cool. Everyone, everyone's got a, a different way of looking at things. Praise be the name. Hallelujah. Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. So, the Israelites are now at the River Jordan. They see the promised land. We've been talking about the promised land, the giants of the land. What are your giants of financial burdens? All these different things which we were talking about. And now at last, after the Egyptians, after the wilderness, after the manna, after all this craziness, there's one thing that lies between the Israelites and their promise. It's a river. 
River Jordan. Okay, now this is just not any small significant thing. If we go to the next slide, bear with me here as you usually do. Geography. We're going to do a little uh, spiritual lesson behind geography, if you can believe it. Sorry that the font's a little small. Geography, a noun, the study of the physical features of the earth and its atmosphere and of human activity as it affects and is affected by these, including the distribution of population and resources, land use, and industries. Okay, interesting. Geography, land masses, things on earth, water, continents, etc., etc., and its atmosphere, and how that land and its atmosphere affects the human population. The River Jordan is a physical thing on planet Earth. It's still with us today. It's a piece of geography. It is not something to just be glanced over. There are unbelievable events, spiritual, profound events that happened at this river that still exists. Uh, it is the place where Abraham and Lot decide which side of the river they're going to live on. Abraham shall have the west. Lot shall have the east. They split uh, it's a place where Jacob flees his brother Esau. He flees, goes over uh, the river Yavok, or Yavok, uh, which is essentially the ancient word for, uh, for the river Jordan. And there on the other side uh, is when he wrestles with God and sees his inheritance. Uh, it's a place where we're focused on today, where the Israelites are going to be told to cross over. It's also the place later on where Elijah passes the anointing and the mantle of the Holy Ghost onto his protege, Elisha, and the waters part and they walk through. It's also the place where, uh, well, John the Baptist baptizes and Jesus is baptized. And it's the place where the Holy Spirit comes upon the Son. This is my Son, whom I'm well pleased. I mean, it's unbelievable that this takes place at a river. And today in the 21st century, you can go and you can hop in a little tube and you can go down this river if you like. Go to the next slide. You may not be able to read that. I see the font is once again a little, a little wacky, but this is where I'm going with this. The Gospels record, sorry, five Gospels record the life of Jesus. What? Four you will find in books and one you will find in the land they call Holy. Read the fifth gospel in the world, the four, will open to you. I'm not trying to make a theology here, but look, you've got Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. But this Christian historian is saying there's a fifth one. Quotations before you get all upset. Quotations. There's a fifth gospel. The land itself. They're not saying that like, the land itself is actually a written word, but they're saying when you go to the land of Israel, or on this side of the Atlantic Ocean, when you dive in and you understand some of the things, yes, the geography, Yes, the places, the world of the other four Gospels, the true Gospels, come alive to you. When you start to take a look at what was going on in the towns and the distances and the mountains and all these little intricacies, you get a better appreciation for the Word of God. Okay, can you accept that? Is that, is that, is that kosher? Is that, is that good? That's clean? That's, it's, all right, I just want to make sure. It's a beautiful, beautiful picture of, of what happens when you're able to Go to the land of Israel, or even you pick up an atlas and you read. You just, every, the stories start to come together. Like when you go to Caesarea Philippi, and, and you like study what Jesus was saying, and you see the architecture, and you see the paganism there, and you see the little word plays he's making. You're like, whoa, it's unbelievable, right? 
Um, so I'm saying this because really when we take a look at the River Jordan, we get a picture of the notion of how we are to inherit the promised land. Uh, next little quote, and we'll be done with the quotes, okay? Uh, the River Jordan is the thing that keeps you out of the land of promise. Next slide, I'm sorry. Unlocking how to cross is the means to enter the land of promise. The River Jordan is the thing that keeps you out of the land of promise. Unlocking how to cross is the means to enter the land of promise. Now, this is a very physical thing, but it's also a very spiritual thing. There are things that keep us from entering into the promised land of God. Now, I want to say once again, what is the promised land? What I'm preaching here, what I'm teaching here, is the promised land is, in, in, in my context right now, is nothing but the glorious reality of the kingdom of heaven coming to earth. Okay, so you just, right now, you got to be like, what? my promised land is not the land of milk and honey and a million dollars. No, we're not talking about, what we're talking about is the promised land of the kingdom coming to earth. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name, right? Thy kingdom come on earth. This is the way that the Lord has taught us to pray. Not necessarily to pray for a job or for money, although sometimes we have to pray for that kind of stuff. But it has to come out of the notion of, Lord, let your name be glorified and let your kingdom come on earth. And in the kingdom, there's no sickness. In the kingdom, there's no divorce and, and abuse and battered relationships. In the kingdom, brothers and sisters are, are, are loving each other, mothers and sons. It's a beautiful thing. But there are things that keep us, and the thing is the River Jordan. So what's the River Jordan of your life? What's keeping you from entering in? And once you figure out what your River Jordan is, then you can figure out how to tackle it. Amen? Amen. All right. So we're going to do a little geography. We're going to learn a little bit about, about Israel, learn a little bit about the river and what's going on, and see, just see if the Lord possibly designed things of his creation to teach us biblical truth. In a land which they call holy. So that the rest of the Gospels can become whew, more vivid. Amen. Amen. All right, so we go to the, the, the next slide. Here is the land of Israel. It's from uh, space, I guess, kind of, sort of. But actually, it looks like it's a uh, picture. And what we have here is uh, the, 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 the water sources of the land. Up north... You see the Sea of Galilee, and you'll see right above it is a river. There's a river that runs into the Sea of Galilee, and then a river that runs out of it. It's called the River Jordan. The River Jordan goes into the Sea of Galilee and then enters out the back end of it. And then the River Jordan continues along the spine of modern-day Israel down to the place of the Salt Sea, the Dead Sea. Now, what we have here is already a picture of the kingdom of heaven and those things that block us from going in. It's really a, a picture of, of believers. You see, the, the water that goes into the Sea of Galilee is fresh. It's sweet. It's life-giving. No salt. In fact, the Sea of Galilee is what actually hydrates all of Israel. The south part of the Sea of Galilee, it leaves. It's fresh. It's sweet water. It gives life. It irrigates. There's fish. Animals drink of its banks. And then it enters into the Dead Sea. The Dead Sea, all it does is collect. There's no exit to the Dead Sea. There's only tributaries to the Dead Sea. Nothing leaves the sea that is dead. This is a picture 
the geography of Israel. It's a notion of this. You can be either a Sea of Galilee or you could be a Dead Sea. The question is, which one would you like to be? If we just receive, 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 receive biblical teaching, receive, receive, and be ministered, ministered, ministered by the Lord to ourselves, we will become bloated believers. That just brings forth death. You are not made to hold on. You are made to let go. You are made to be a sea of Galilee that freely receives and freely gives. And if we are believers that just receive and sit in our pews and just do and just receive, 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 and never get it out in the kingdom, never exalt and bring forth the kingdom of heaven on earth, I am telling you, you will be depressed. I'm telling you, you will be anxious. I'm telling you, you will be a bloated believer that is full of death. Because we were born and created to be more than one that receives. We were created to be one that receives and gives. See, that's the beauty of, of Bristol Hope Assemblies. Like, this is a place where it's like, you got to give people. We, I don't mean money. I mean, like, you got to give in ministry. You got to give and pray for people. You got to help out. You got to do things. That's the beauty of here. The Lord is really creating a context right now in this church where it's like, man, you can't just receive. Because if you just receive, the the chairs are not going to be full. If you just receive, people are not going to be ministered to. This is a beautiful stage in this church where the Lord is really taking his time and saying, you know what? Come on, people. Don't be a dead sea. Receive and give. Give forth life. So good. Lord is so good. All right, who were thinking that from from a river? Huh? The next one, next little lesson that we had. Uh, here's a, a map of like the topography of the elevation gains and, and declines of, of, of Israel. Sorry if this is a little confusing. I'm hoping it's going to hit some of us or most of us. We have here is the, the blue line up on, in the middle that's completely flat and horizontal is the sea level of the Mediterranean. The blue line underneath it is the line of the Jordan River. And so essentially what we see here is if you go all the way to the right, that is where the Jordan River begins. If you go all the way to the left, that's where it ends. This shows the elevation. So all the way to the right is actually the northern part of Israel, where it begins. And the left is actually the southern part of Israel, where it ends, in the depths of the Dead Sea. You see how it kind of goes down, and then it goes to the Sea of Galilee. There's a little whoop, and Then it keeps going, and then whoop, right down to the Dead Sea. All right? Uh, and so this is where things get you know, maybe even a little bit more spiritual. The source of the uh, Jordan River is Mount Hermon, the Hermon, uh, the, uh, Mount Hermon. Uh, and it's, uh, the elevation is over 9,000 feet. And I was looking at this stuff and thought it was pretty interesting. Uh, about 8,000 feet is when altitude sickness begins. Once you clear 8,000 feet, uh, hikers uh, will begin to uh, suffer headaches. Uh, you can get a little faint. You go a little bit higher up. Your oxygen levels are depleting. You're having a hard time. So 8,000 is like the magic window. So what I'm saying here is this. Mount Hermon, where, where, where like the life-giving waters of all things happen, right? It, it's high elevation. Very, very high. It comes down the mountain, boom, hits the Jordan River, feeds it. And then it descends to the Dead Sea. And it just so happens to be that the Dead Sea is in fact the lowest place on planet Earth. It's the lowest place on planet Earth. Outside of like the rift valleys in the ocean, like on, on actual land lowest place. It is going from 8,000 feet up 
to negative almost 3,000 feet below sea level. That is a gain of what, 9, 10, 11, almost 12,000 feet difference. That, that is a massive amount for a relatively uh, short uh, mileage. It's only about 160 miles long. That is short. And 160 miles, it declines about 12,000 feet. Amazing. I think it's amazing. So here's what's going on. Uh, Jordan, the Hebrew word for Jordan is Yarden. It means to descend. The Jordan River, in fact, means to descend in Hebrew. Because the river itself descends. It makes unbelievable descents. In biblical terminology, to descend is, in fact, a curse. You descend into the belly of the earth, right? Um, You descend out of the land of Israel for expulsion of your sin. Descension, descending is in fact a vocabulary of cursing, while ascending is vocabulary of blessing. The Lord says, Aleah, le Zion, go up to Zion. You never go down to Zion. Never. You always go up to the mountain of God. Look up to the mountains from where your help comes from. We go up. We don't go down. We go up. We go to heaven. We don't go to Sheol or hell. We go up. We climb up the mountain of the Lord. We see him. We seek him. We spend time with him. We never descend. You descend in your life. It's a place of cursing because it's a place of death. It's a place of the Dead Sea. And so what I'm getting at here is this. It says that in Joshua chapter 3, verse 15, it says that when they placed their feet in the river Jordan, even the waters went down to the Dead Sea. When the waters split, it wasn't just like a wall. The waters split and the waters went down to the place of death. And so this is what I'm trying to get at here, Lord. Help me out here. When we, in our trials and tribulations, when we're looking for the kingdom of heaven and things that are holding us back, that blockage, man, what our blockage if we set our eyes on those things which are holy and high and heavenly, the earthly things must descend to the place of death in your life. They must descend. The waters of life, the waters of difficulty, whatever your river Jordan is, I don't know what it is. But when we focus on the heights and not on the lows, we focus on the Lord and the kingdom, everything else is going to descend in the place of death. You just set your eyes on life-giving water, not the place of death. And so, okay, to encounter the kingdom of heaven is to encounter the Lord's goodness. We focus on heavenly things. Not our trials and tribulations. You focus on death, you're going to get caught up in the, in, in the current and you're going to go to the place of death. So the priests, they step into the water and all of the obstacles, whoom, go down to the place of the Dead Sea. Amen. Next slide, please. Jesus. Sorry, you can take the social studies teacher out of the social studies classroom, but you can't take the social studies teacher out of the teacher. There she is. The mighty River Jordan. Songs have been sung. This thing is narrower than the Nishami Creek. When pilgrims go to the River Jordan, they're like, 
Really? This is it? Yeah, that's it. 45 feet long. I'm sorry, 45 feet wide. 45 feet long. Like, when you're a Westerner, like, look, these are desert people. It's like, I've never seen that much water in one place. You come from a land of plenty, like here, you're like, like we get more rain like in the street when 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 there's like a flash flood. Like this is the mighty river Jordan. It's like come down down, down to the river a bit, right? Lay down my sword and shield. You think it's like the Mississippi, man? This is like a creek, if that. There's forty-five feet that's separating you. It's 45 feet, man. You can almost jump that. It's like right there. You want the land of promise? You want the land of promise? The kingdom of heaven comes to earth. There's 45 feet that's separating you from that promise. It's nothing. It's a small little, little thing. But it's all a matter of perception. When you get there and you look at the trials of your life, the things that are keeping you, because it says that during the times of the harvest, the banks swell. You see, the banks swell at the time of the harvest. We're going to get to that in a moment. The banks swell, it said. And that's when he had to step in. He doesn't wait for it just to be 45 feet. He's like, I'm going to wait for the time of the harvest when it's nice and wide. About 100 feet. That's, that's a decent amount of growth. Jesus. I think the next line. Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. It's all about the ark. It's all about the ark. Joshua chapter 3. Take the priests, take the Levites, send out the ark. Let the ark go first. The ark in this story is a very, very, very important piece of entering the land of the promise. Seeing the kingdom, see biblical times reemerge on planet earth, man. I want to see biblical times all over again because there are biblical times. But I always see the power of the book of Acts in my life. But I want to believe it. I want to see it. Because it's the land of promise. It's the kingdom of heaven. The promise is the kingdom of heaven. I want to see it. So what do you do? Send forth the ark. Uh, In chapter 3, the ark of the covenant in this short little chapter is mentioned nine times. In chapter 4, another short chapter, the Ark of the Covenant is mentioned seven times. What we have here in these two chapters, it's all about the Ark. It's not about the river. It's all about the presence, not about the river. Now, the river is the river, but the Ark is the Ark. Remember, geography, the atmosphere that affects humans is the atmosphere Geography, the atmosphere affects human activity. Absolutely. I'm talking about some spiritual geography. God says, bring forth the ark. Let it go forth. That is the atmosphere that changes the dynamics of things and ushers in his presence. Joshua chapter 3, verse 3, it says, send forth the ark of the covenant because you've never been this way before. I've never seen a dead man raised from the dead. You've never been this way before, bro. You better send forth the presence first. 
And then it says, right? Joshua chapter 3, verse 3. Go after it. Go after it. Go after the presence, Israel. Go follow it. We're going to have the uh, worship team come on down. We're going to talk about this Ark of the Covenant a little bit. Brit Ha-Aron. Brit Ha-Aron. Ark of the Covenant. So we want to be modern Joshua and Caleb. We want to be those people that enter the land of promise to engage the beauty of his holiness and his presence. But we have to unpack this a little bit in the geography of things, right? We see that, look, we can't just be one who just receives. We've got to be one that gives because that's where life-giving water flows. We've got to be one that focuses not on the descension but on the ascension. We need to look at the problems of our life and be like, you know what? I'm focusing on those problems. That, that is for the place of death. Amen? But there's a paradigm here that we need to really step into. Because here, here's a depiction of such a thing. The priests go forward. And they bear the presence of the Most High God. And the instruction is go after it. Go after the presence. Now, ark, aron in Hebrew, is a chest. Something that holds things. And brit... It's a covenant. The Ark of the Covenant is the covenant that man has made with God, that his presence shall be stored. <laughs> Come on now. In the New Testament, who and what is the Ark that holds the presence? I, I, like people are like, what? No, no. Look, the presence of God was in the Mishkan. It was in the tabernacle. Then it was in the temple. The New Testament comes and says, the spirit of the living God shall dwell inside of you. This is the full, pre- this is the full gospel that we're talking about during worship. Full gospel, of belief and understanding that you are an ark that holds the presence of the almighty living God inside of you. You see, I don't have to go chase after a presence anymore. It's right here. But my perception has to be of one of practicing the notion that it's here. Now, what's so beautiful and what's so powerful is that the presence, the ark, that is me, the presence dwells inside of me. It's not just that his presence dwells with me, but that it is a covenant. The Ark of the Covenant is not just something in an Indiana Jones film, people. The Ark of the Covenant is a New Testament realization, a more perfect, a better way that He is filled with His covenant that we shall be the holders of His presence. This is not like, I screwed up yesterday, Lord, so your presence has flee- flees from me. No. What is the covenant? The covenant is that at the foundations of the earth, he laid down his life for you, not just so you can have life and life abundantly, but so that you can hold and have the indwelling presence of the Almighty God inside of you. And there's so many of us that forget that principle. No, I screwed up today. I'm not where I'm supposed to be, so the present flees. No, it's not just a presence, it's a presence from the covenant, a covenant that can't be broken. That even if I go astray, he says, my blood is still there, buddy. Even though I have 
evil thoughts or bad thoughts or I speak out against someone. It doesn't matter because it's sealed in his blood. It cannot go from me. It is with me always in all things. So how do I get into the promised land? I have to have a perception change that the ark is me now. Ooh, how dare you say it? I don't say it. The scriptures say it. I shall never leave you nor forsake you. I need to go so the holy comforter can come. I shall tear down the temple and build it up three days again. You are the stones of the temple of God. Perception change, man. I don't need to go get nothing because it's right here with me. But we got to go after it. What's going after? It's a lens change. It's, man, I got the present. Joshua chapter 3, verse 5. Sanctify thyself. You want to inherit the land? Sanctify thyself. Sanctify. Get rid of the impurities. Get rid of the spots. Get rid of the problems. Yeah, there are times where you got to like do an intrinsic in look and say, you know, there's some things I got to get out. But it's such such a lie that, that, that theologians or past people have put on you. Sanctify yourself to pass through the River Jordan. Thank you very much. I've already been sanctified. I have been sanctified. I've been, I've been made pure and holy. It doesn't matter what I'm doing anymore because all that God sees is Jesus. That's not an excuse to sin. That's not an excuse to sin. That's an excuse to live life abundantly. Sanctify thyself. Look, if you got saved, you're sanctified. It's over. It's done. So we got to get rid of this lie that oh, I got it. If I just do this, then I'll be an ark. You are an ark. The presence of the living, heavenly host is inside of us. We've been sanctified. Joshua chapter 3 verse 15 says, And as they that bore the ark were coming to Jordan, the feet of the priests that bore the ark were dipped in the brim of the water, for Jordan overflows at the times of the harvest. We got difficulties. We got things that we got to pass through to keep us from promise. Notice, it does not say that he is going to split open the river and then the priests walk through. It says the priests are to step into it and then the river shall be removed. We step forward in our problems with faith. Lord, when you just remove this temptation from me, then I'll be able to walk in. Lord, the day when you really just give me a better career and I can make more money, then I can really serve you. Whoa, that sounds like the thinking on the other side of the river. In the Old Testament days, it says the priests are to step into the place of faith and then the waters are removed. They don't remove first. How easy is that? It's no faith. Lord, take care of all of my problems, and then I'll be able to walk in your promises. No, step into the difficulties and believe in faith that the waters shall recede. And the waters shall go to the place of death and be seen no more. But 45 feet doesn't seem like much, but during the time of harvest, it says the waters grow. You see... When the Lord is doing something mighty in a community, mighty in a, in a place, the difficulties appear to become larger. 
they become almost overwhelming because it's the lives of the enemy to keep you off track. That 45 feet seems to be 100 feet. The time of the harvest in a spiritual way is the time that we're living in now. The harvest of the kingdom. For people to come to faith. This is the time of the harvest, the age we are living in. So of course the TV and the money and the bills and the difficulties are going to seem much larger than they really are. Because it's the time of the harvest. It's the time to bring the kingdom to earth. Of course the difficulties are going to be big. Satan is going to try to bring you into that, right? Pretty much closing up today, 2 Corinthians chapter 3. 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 5. Not that we are sufficient of ourselves to think anything as ourselves, but our sufficiency is of God. We can't do it ourselves, but our sufficiency is of God. So how do we step into the land of promise? We've been saying it today. We've been saying it, saying it, saying it. We go after the presence. We have a perception change that we are sanctified. We step into the difficulties of life and we say, I know, I know, I know that the Lord is going to work. Said that the water shall be brought forth down to the Dead Sea. Joshua chapter 3 verse 5 says, Sanctify thyself, for I will do wonders among you tomorrow. He wants to do wonders among you. We're already sanctified, but we need to take that on. We need to be bearers of the presence. We need to be bearers of the ark. And that's when the kingdom, the kingdom shall be made manifest in our life. Let cross into the land. Priests step their feet into the water. The waters recede. The waters go back to the place of death. And the Israelites walk on firm ground, firm foundation, which is his love. They go into the land, and it says that the kings, the kings of the Amorites, their hearts melted when they heard what Israel's God did for them. There was barely even a fight at times because they were just like, trials, difficulties of your life, there won't be a fight. You follow the presence, it's just going to, it's going to melt. It's going to melt. It's going to melt. Jesus. Father, I pray that we can just adopt a new mentality in this place. A mentality of the right perspective. Jesus. Father, we pray right now that all of us, all of us, Take on the right eyes, the right perceptions. Oh, that we understand that we now, we now are the bearers of the presence. That we are the ark. We are the vessel of the covenant. That you're in us, that you reside inside of us. That we can see the kingdom of heaven come to earth. It's a charge that you've given us. It's how you told us to pray. We can go forward with the understanding of this revelation if we can just begin to just position our eyes in a belief, a belief, a belief that it truly is covenant that you've given to man. 
that we would step out like the Sea of Galilee that we would just not hold on but we would let go that we would go forth and minister to others pray for others open our mouths share be a witness to create atmospheres where you're able to show up and work amen amen why don't we stand Officially gonna end. I just encourage you though, before leaving or before going down to take part in our refreshments and our coffee and pastries, which is so wonderful to have fellowship with. I just encourage you, just take a moment, allow this stuff to just register inside of you. That you are the bearers of the presence of God. Let that reality just sit in for a moment. We get to be the bearer, the vessel, the cup, the ark, the presence of God. It goes into life circumstances and just boom. The kingdom of heaven descends on earth. a perception change, if your mind has been tricked, think differently than the way I've taught today. I, I encourage you to stay in the presence. I encourage you to come forward. We'll, we'll pray for you. There's people that just operate in prayer ministry. You can just come on down. We're just going to love on you and pray for you. If you're like, man, I need to have a mental change, a state of mind change, just come on down. We'll stand with you and pray. Just step in the presence. Engage his presence. Let it just settle and sit. Amen. So Samaria just leads us in worship. Please feel free to go downstairs. Feel free to go. We'd love to see you next week. Or downstairs over a cup of coffee. If you need some prayer, when you come on down. Or just linger in the presence like Joshua did. Amen. Amen. Have a wonderful week.